And for our scripture reading this morning, we'll turn to the Gospel of Luke, and we'll begin in Luke 10. We'll begin reading at verse 23, or 25 of Luke 10. We had, as we were working through the Gospel of Luke, we had left Luke, the end of Luke 10 and Luke 11, and we had covered Luke 12, 13, and uh, Luke 12 and 13, and now we'll go back to begin to pick it up where we left off at the end of Luke 10, because it fits in nicely with our catechism, and we're going to consider that this morning and this evening. So beginning in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he sat, set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he, answered, and he said, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We'll stop the reading there. This is our scripture reading for this morning. And in connection with the scripture reading, we also want to consider Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 45, which is on page 81 in the back of your Psalter. Lord's Day 45, page 81, in the back of your Psalter. Uh, Question 116 asks us, Why is prayer necessary for Christians? And the answer is, because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us, and also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who, with sincere desires, continually ask them of him and are thankful for them. Question 117, what are the requisites of that prayer which is acceptable to God in which he will hear? First, that we from the heart pray to the one true God only, who has manifested himself in his word for all things he has commanded us to ask of him. And secondly, that we rightly and thoroughly know our need and misery, that so we may deeply humble ourselves in the presence of his divine majesty. And thirdly, that we may be fully persuaded that he, notwithstanding that we are unworthy of it, will For the sake of Christ our Lord, certainly hear our prayer, as he has promised us in his word. And what has God commanded us to ask of him? Question 118. All things necessary for soul and body, which Christ our Lord has comprised in that prayer that he himself has taught us, as we just read in Luke 11, the Lord's Prayer. Dear congregation, the disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Is that something we ever asked the Lord? How do we pray? There's a quote I put in your bulletin by S.D. Gordon. It says, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. In this account of Mary and Martha that we read at the end of Luke 12 comes between the parable of the Good Samaritan and this request from the disciples. And it seems significant that Luke put it here as he progresses through his gospel and he seems to follow certain topics. The parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us what it means to love our neighbor. We're called to love our neighbor and God above all. That's especially the focus, the Lord Jesus drew out the focus there at the second table of the law. And just like this, this Pharisee or this lawyer was convicted, it's not hard for us to feel convicted of our shortcomings of meeting these demands of the law, of loving our neighbor. And where does that drive us? It should drive us back to God in prayer. It should lead us to the Lord for, for forgiveness, to pray for help, to pray for grace and power and His Holy Spirit to enable us 
to be able to do his will, to love others. And the disciples also recognized their lack. And especially as they heard the Lord Jesus himself pray, they realized how little they knew what prayer was. And the other quote in your bulletin by Oswald Chambers says, We tend to use prayer as a last resort. But God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Most of us would prefer, however, to spend our time doing something that will get immediate results. And it seems here in our text this morning that Mary comes and sits near the Lord Jesus to learn from him. Her posture shows that she's asking the question, Lord, teach me to know you, the only true and living God. Well, it seems like Martha is spending her time trying to do something, trying to get those immediate results. And so even as the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan showed our, our need and our duty to love our neighbor, Luke here, he transitions here to, our, to show our primary duty of seeking the Lord both in his word and in prayer. Because it's only when we know the Lord, when we receive from the Lord by seeking the Lord, that we are also enabled to love others as we are called. And so our theme this morning is seeking Jesus, the one thing needful. And we'll see that we'll consider that in three thoughts. First, Distracted, secondly, corrected, and thirdly, directed. Distracted from seeking Jesus, corrected by Jesus, and directed to Jesus. So first, then, distracted from seeking Jesus. In the end of Luke 10 and verse 38, Luke takes us into Martha's home. Her home where she invited the Lord Jesus and his disciples to come and to visit. From other Gospels, we know that she lived in the little town of Bethany, which is about three kilometers east of Jerusalem. And we also know that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were friends of the Lord Jesus. He would visit there more often, and he had a close friendship. And so it appears that both Mary and Martha began to prepare the meals. There would have been about 15, around 15 people here. That's quite a crowd of, of, of men to, to serve. And so that would take some time. Most likely Jesus gave some notice that he was coming, but still there'd be a lot of, a lot of work. They had to prepare the bread. They had to prepare the meat. They would need the water to, to wash their feet and to provide for drinking. And so in verse 40, it's not surprising that it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. This means she was anxiously running back and forth, preparing for the meal. And this word, distracted, really means she's being pulled in many directions. There's so much to do. It's chop this, stir that, put more wood on the fire, take this bread out of the oven, and and on and on it goes here trying to make this, this meal, this elaborate meal for 15 people. And on top of that, suddenly in the midst of it all, Martha realizes that Mary has stopped helping her. And when she looks, she sees her sitting there 
in front of the Lord Jesus, listening to what he has to say. And maybe you can relate to Martha here. You feel like you're always the one doing the work at home or in church or even at your job. Maybe at home with your children and your your husband is reading a book or or always one talking to the guests and, and there you are trying to get everything ready. And then there it comes. You can feel it rising, can't you? That frustration, anger, bitterness. You want to sit down too. You want to enjoy that company as well. But you feel obligated to get this done. And you begin to begrudge the others. And their absence seems to make your workload that much heavier. And certainly in our lives there is always that balance and we must never neglect our duty to, to help others when, when we can and when we must at church or home. Everyone's called to, to give and, and to work, whether that's husbands changing diapers or washing dishes or, or being involved in church life. There is a time to be busy and to work diligently. But here Martha thinks something's not fair. But Martha's response also reveals something very important. And we can see that because it's interesting how she responds. It says she approaches Jesus in verse 40 instead of Mary. And she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And when sin rises in her heart, whether it's that bitterness or anger towards someone else, our tendency always is not to go to them, but to go to talk to somebody else about them. And this reveals that we're not in a state of being able to love our neighbor. We're not loving our neighbor as we ought. And we realize that because we don't go to them, we go to someone else. But here Martha's almost also blaming the Lord Jesus for allowing Mary to sit there. Maybe she thought Mary wouldn't listen to her anyway if she spoke to Mary. But what about us? How do we approach the Lord Jesus? Do we come with our accusations about others and with a discontented attitude of our circumstances? You might think, well, why is my life so difficult when when other people seem to have it so easy? Why am I always the one that is so busy? Isn't that also something along the lines of what Asaph prayed in Psalm 73? Why do the wicked live in ease and prosperity and we have such difficulties? Or do our prayers always turn into demands like Martha here, Lord, tell her to help me? See, we're so easily distracted with much serving. And we tell the Lord, I have this plan. This food needs to be perfect. This bread needs to be just right. The vegetables need to be just so. And and, and no one's helping me. Our life and our activities can so easily be dictated by our own perceptions of what is acceptable. And then we think, well, the guests won't be happy unless they can provide this standard of meal or entertainment. Or you might think, well, I can't have guests because I don't have the right kitchen or or venue to entertain people. We can't meet the expectations of the world. 
Martha was distracted with much serving because her heart was set on that much serving. She was consumed by it. And so secondly, we see that she was corrected by Jesus. In verse 42, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, or verse 41, sorry, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And here repeating her name shows loving care and, and, and tenderness. Martha, Martha. He understood her perfectly. He shows that he knows her heart and understands her circumstance. The Lord Jesus said in another place, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And this is not just for people who love money more than God. Martha loved God. She made such a beautiful confession in another place in John 11 where she said, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Martha wants to please the Lord. She wants to give him her best. She, just like you want to serve your guests the best because you care for them. Just like you work diligently in your job, you care for your children because you love doing it and you love the Lord. Even in this past week, how many times were you motivated out of your love for God by what you did with your family or neighbors? And that's good. But here Jesus also needs to correct Martha because he loved her. Jesus is showing Martha that in her zeal to serve, she's also forgetting something very important. All her focus here was on her service to Christ. And she had lost sight of Christ's service to her. And that revealed itself in her actions. She acted selfishly and distracted from the one thing needed, as the Lord Jesus said. And even though she loved the Lord Jesus, she was still seeking that affirmation and in, by her own service towards him, rather than finding her affirmation and life in Christ himself. And so there's always a danger that we become more focused on what we are doing for God than what God has done for us or is doing for us. We begin to compare ourselves with other people. We begin to see what they are doing. And then our duties, duties quickly become burdens. We become focused on, on meeting our own levels of success or we become distracted and pulled in every direction. We become consumed by what we can do. And that will result either in two things. Either one, we become proud of things are going well and we think we're doing good or we'll turn into bitterness and we begin to begrudge others when we become overly distracted by serving. And that's how we express ourselves. Martha even rebukes the Lord. Don't you care? Tell her to help me. We might be tempted to accuse the Lord of not seeing us in our need or not helping us in our circumstances. 
But Jesus needs to come to her and say, Martha, Martha, you're forgetting something. You're worried and troubled about many things. Verse 41. You've lost sight of who Christ is for you. See, godliness is not about what we do for God, but what God has done for us. In Mark 10, Christ said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And like Martha, we can be so preoccupied with all the good and necessary things in our life that we neglect God. Our life becomes made up of what we do. Our self-image and our, is made up of what we do. And even our Christian walk can become a duty rather than a love. Our Bible reading and our, our devotions and prayers be, become just part of the hustle and bustle of duty and service rather than being able to sit and feed on the Word of God. Going to church or going to Bible studies becomes a, a burden and a drudgery because we've lost a heart. We're worried about and troubled about so many things, but we have no time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Rather, we try to serve God mainly by the forms and by the actions. You ever feel that way? Have you lost sight of Christ in all your religion? You go through the motions, but your heart is not in it. You're just so distracted by everything. Even when you come to church, you're miles away. And it's also easily, easy to become disgruntled and discouraged. And that's why in the last place, Jesus directs Martha to himself. Verse 42. Verse 41, we'll begin, Martha, Martha. You are worried about and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. While Martha was all distracted about serving, her sister Mary had come to sit near Jesus' feet and to hear his word. Jesus often taught the people that's what he was doing in the cities. And here he was on his way to the cross. Only about three kilometers away from Jerusalem and not many days left before he would hang on that cross and be crucified. He would not be wasting his time here talking about the frivolous things and the passing things of this life. And here this expression to sit at someone's feet is used of students that sit there to learn from their teachers. Paul, it says, was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. That means Gamaliel was his teacher. Paul learned from Gamaliel. And here Mary sat with that attention of, of, a, of a student to hear his word. There's a readiness to receive and to believe everything that Christ is telling her. And so Jesus points out to Martha that Mary here has chosen that good part. She has made the right choice to, to come and to learn instead of being distracted by all these secondary things. Mary knew who the Lord Jesus was. He was the Messiah. He had the words of eternal life. No one else spoke like this man spoke. And so she sat here humbly listening to hear what he had to say, what he had to say about forgiveness 
and about healing and about cleansing from sin. This is where she found strength for her heart. Here's where she found comfort for her soul. And so she sat expectantly trying to to grasp every word. See, Martha felt unworthy because she's not able to meet the demand, her own expectations of, of, of serving the Lord Jesus. But Mary did not even try. It seems she didn't have these expectations in what she could do for Jesus, but she needed to hear what he had to say. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that's what she came to hear. And we also recognize how far short we come from being able to keep God's law, especially in reaching our neighbors, like the Good Samaritan. Or when sin overwhelms us, or when the world overwhelms us, or when our circumstances overwhelm us, then we realize there is nothing more that we can do to serve God anymore. But we need to lay everything down, all our efforts down, and come empty-handed. You know, we often feel ashamed when we go to a friend's house and we don't bring anything along. We want to bring something, or at least we want to do something to help. But the hymn writer says, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And here Mary sits as if it were empty-handed. She even seems to ignore or neglect Mary or Martha. Doesn't she care about Martha? Shouldn't she at least help so that Martha can come sit and listen as well? But here we see that Mary couldn't wait any longer. She needed to come. She needed to hear what the Lord Jesus had to say. And do you ever have those times as well where you just need to stop, where you just need to go to your office or to your room and hear from God, to read His Word, to pray, where your heart and your mind are open to receive from God. You need that comfort. You need that guidance. You need that living water for your dry and thirsty soul. It says here, Martha approached the Lord Jesus. In verse 40, she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? And that word approach, it means to come and to stand nearby. And then she uses the word Lord, which is master. It's like she's saying, use your authority, Lord, to make Mary work. But then you look at Mary, and she's sitting there as a student, eagerly drinking in every word. Do you see that difference? And Martha is there trying to fulfill the law in her own strength, but Mary is resting here in the Lord Jesus Christ who came to fulfill the law for us. He who came to pay the, the, the law's demands for our sins. Martha, as it were, was trying to serve the Lord Jesus. And even wants to use Jesus' authority to to accomplish her own plans. To make her own life prosper. But Mary is trying to receive everything from the Lord Jesus. And here the Lord Jesus says, Mary has chosen that good part. Which shall never be taken away from her. It's of eternal value. Everything that we work for so hard in this world will soon be gone. 
but only this one thing needed that we receive from the Lord Jesus will last forever. We'll never finish our work on this world. Yes, we need to be diligent and faithful in all the duties God gives us to do. That's a great blessing to have work. That's, that's even what we were created to do, to work and to manage. But still, it's all passing. Our, our wealth, our health, and even our temporal life, it's, it'll all be taken away. But eternal life will not. And I know what it is like as well to work 18 or 20 hours a day and then not have enough time or energy to, to take the time to read your Bible for a few moments. But it doesn't always mean you just have to put your life on hold and to sit for an hour in, in study, even though that's good and necessary. But even while you work, what is it that we're busy with? Why are we busy? What is our priority? In general, we have eight hours to work, eight hours to sleep, and eight hours to do what? What do we fill our time with? Does our life come from Christ? Or is our life built on what we can do ourselves? Is there that hunger to know Him? Is He your life? Is He our first choice over, over everything else that can so easily occupy our life and our time? So many things in this world that we can do, whether it's work or recreation or with our children or family. But then if we look at the needs of this world, this world's so full of needs, we can't help everyone. There's the homeless, there's, there's the ones enslaved to addictions of various kinds, there's those caught in human trafficking, there's, there, there's hunger and starvation in the world, there's refugees from the wars and, and various uh, um, natural disasters. It can be overwhelming to see how much need there is in this world. And you can work long days doing everything is unto the Lord. And we can work diligently serving others, but first and foremost, one thing is needed. We must first feed on the Word of God. And that must, letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, must dwell in us with everything that we do. Is He our priority even in all that we do, even for the Lord? Or does it become a service to be found acceptable in His sight? Our self-worth is not found in our performance, but in Christ. Our acceptance with God is not found in what we can do, not in our service, but in the righteousness of Christ alone. In loving our neighbor as a good Samaritan, that's the second table of the law, and it follows the first table of the law, which requires us to worship God above all. Psalm 116 puts it nicely. It says, What shall we do to pay our vows to God? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? It says, I will take of the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. There's nothing that we can do in our service, but we are to take of the Lord freely what He gives in Christ Jesus. And as I mentioned in the beginning, this, this passage is a, like a transition into the need to soak into the Word of God and, and prayer. And so I want you to turn again to the, 
the Catechism on page 81 in the back of your Psalter. And question 116 asks again, why is prayer necessary for Christians? And it says in question 116, page 81, because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us. And also because God will give His grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of Him and are thankful for them. Our chief part of thankfulness. That, that means we are to be sitting at the feet of, of Jesus. That's the greater duty that we are called to do. That's the greater duty than all the serving we could ever do in this life. And it's sitting there at the feet of Jesus. In the word and prayer that we receive of God's grace and spirit. And this is what we see Mary doing. Mary has chosen the good part. It's revealing the chief part of her heart. As she finds it in Christ. And then the other question, 117. It says, what are the requisites of that prayer? And the answer is first, that we from the heart pray to the one true God only who has manifested himself in his word for all things he has commanded us to ask of him. Secondly, that we rightly and thoroughly know our need and misery, that so we may deeply humble ourselves in the presence of his divine majesty. And thirdly, that we be fully persuaded that he, notwithstanding that we are unworthy of it, will for the sake of Christ our Lord certainly hear our prayer as he has promised us in his word. Here Mary sat and was seeking the one true and living God because she realized that this is who Christ was. He was the Messiah. He manifests himself to us in his word. She sat there to hear his word. And this is where we must sit. And this is where we must seek to know the Lord. Mary knew her need. She humbled herself above all. She did not see her serving could accomplish anything. Martha interpreted that as as a lazy refusal to help. Martha was still focused on what she could accomplish. Martha didn't see her need as Mary did. But Mary came and sat at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And so as we consider these things, by way of application. Some of us need to hear what Jesus told Martha because we are too busy doing, too busy meeting our own expectations, worried, anxious, and troubled, but never really resting in Christ. And he says, come and sit. Come and sit and hear. Because we're too busy to take time for our soul. Too distracted from, our, from focusing on our Bible reading and prayer. Too distracted even doing good things. And I keep having to think about one minister who said he can be so busy writing sermons that he forgets his own soul. We can be so busy doing good things, even for the Lord, that we forget our own soul.
come and sit at the feet of Jesus and hear from him. But then secondly, some of us need to hear what Martha heard because we're not able to work. Whether that be because of sickness, bodily weakness, but we still have a restless heart. A heart that wants to work. A heart that by nature wants to be busy doing. And we feel ourselves useless and worthless when we can't work and when we can't serve. But Jesus is saying, come and sit. Here is a work and here is a duty that you must do and can do. And it's a greater duty than being busy with much serving. It's the duty of worship. This is your chief part of thankfulness. To sit at the feet of Jesus and to receive of him. I will take of the cup of salvation. And Jesus says here is a blessed place to be in his word and in prayer. I wonder what it would take to get Martha to put down her oven mitts and her apron and to come and sit beside Mary. And I wonder what it would take us, what the Lord would have to do to us to make us put down our serving and come sit and sit undistracted to listen to the Lord. Listening to Christ, receiving of Christ, and choosing that good part that will never be taken away from us. The Lord is saying to you, it's time to sit here at Jesus' feet. He wants to teach you from his word as he is that great prophet who speaks into the heart. He wants you to come to the, to the Lord Jesus as that great high priest in prayer. You have someone to intercede for. You have someone to pray for in your life at the feet of Jesus. Come and sit because he wants to supply all your needs. He wants to comfort your heart. He wants to strengthen your faith. And this, he shows, is the greater duty than all the serving we could ever do. And then thirdly, also we're called to love our neighbor. But how often do we see this as such a great burden, as a duty and obligation, rather than doing it out of true love and and burning compassion? Then he says, first come and sit. First, come and learn of the Lord Jesus and be filled yourself. Be filled with the fullness of Christ. And then our love will flow out towards our neighbors, being supplied by the grace and spirit of Christ. If we work out of obligation and duty, we're trying to keep these commandments in our own strength. We're trying to find acceptance in our own serving. But he says, come and sit and hear and lastly a word to the children we need to read our Bibles and pray every day young people and the Lord Jesus calls us to come and sit and to learn from the Lord Jesus he's the one who teaches our heart young people he's the one who gives us his word and reading the Bible and praying is not just routine. It's not, it's not just a duty like brushing our teeth every day. 
but this is the life and the health of your soul. This is where you receive strength and guidance and grace and love. And the Lord Jesus says, choose this part. Choose the good part that will never be taken away from you. You get from the Lord something that you cannot give yourself. God alone can give you a new heart. God alone can give you a right spirit. God alone can give you love for him and love for your neighbor. God alone can make you love him more than this world that tries to attract you and pull you in a hundred directions. And God alone can forgive your sins, children. And that is what we need the most. A new heart. The forgiveness of sins. And so he calls us to come and sit and to read his word and to pray to him as Mary did. Amen.